0: Hey. Welcome to the Impact Podcast by Utopia. Join me in meeting the youth of Singapore who are making a positive impact to the world around them. Hi, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is Wee and she's from UCU World. So UCU World is a collective for creatives to come together to share and build on each other's skill sets. UCU World has created a community of support for artists. So, hi Wee. Hi. I th- Wanna just introduce our topic of today. So I think what we're gonna have a discussion around is how an artist can find space in the Singaporean community. And yeah, so I think you can just start off with introducing yourself first.
1: Okay. Uh hi, I'm Rhee, and I am one-third of the UCU collective. Uh so I run my own kind of experience art studio called Empori. And uh alongside myself, there are two other Unicorns, as part of UCU, who is Anya and Cheryl, and together we're the collective. We come together at random times to kind of uh, do projects together, but on most days we, yeah, do our own thing and support each other emotionally and
0: (laughs) resource-wise. Cool! So tell me a bit about UCU World. So I think the first thing that strikes me is the name. Does UCU stand for anything? Yeah, so actually... The
1: fun part is that um, the collective is just UCU, Mm -hmm. not UCU World, but then our domain is ucu.world. And we just thought it would be hilarious because when we're Okay, this is actually a grandmother story that I'll try to summarize. But after the lockdown, wait, they do not call it like circuit breaker last year, we kind of, the three of us met up after it was okay to go to people's houses. And then we kind of sat around started talking and then realized that we have a lot in common. And we really appreciated having this space to support each other, um, to have someone to bounce ideas off of and to be able to hold space and just, yeah. Um, support each other and help each other so like why not we come together as a collective and then we talked about how we want to support each other and why we should name the collective and then um the whole society is kind of obsessed with the idea of unicorns unicorn companies and oh we just thought like oh but you know unicorns can also be anyone who's a little you know strange weird quirky just difficult to find like the mystical unicorn and we just thought, sort of thought that oh yeah that'll be pretty kind of funny then was like okay but well, we're a collective so we're like unicorns unite because we're unicorns coming together and then so it's like oh okay How do you abbreviate that? Like unicorns unite. You see you. And then once that abbreviation came out we're like oh but what about unicorns collective union and you know there was all these jokes and then someone brought up like oh hey we're ucu you know isn't it kind of like the mcu and we're like that's exactly how we function mm-hmm. you know we're like individual creatives who have our own solo movies you know we have our own thing that we're building but then every once in a while if there is a cause or interesting enough Thing that needs us to come together to do a project as a group, then it's like the Avengers movie. So yeah, it was just like that whole, okay, so since it's like the MCU or the UCU, we need to be a world. and So it's it's just a whole lot of insider joke that really isn't that important.
0: No, it is. I'm th- thankful that you have let me into the joke because... I think that gives a lot of like understanding as to why it's called UCU. Very interesting. Thanks for sharing. Um tell me a bit about because you mentioned that, you know, it's a collective where individuals, um, artists can come together to seek support and help from one another, like share resources, right? Why is that? Why was that like an important thing and like what does that kind of look like?
1: So I mean, I can only speak for myself and sort of just us. I know that there are a couple of other arts collective in Singapore, but we've never actually sat down collective to collective and exchange notes. So I'm not sure how other collectives run, but at least just for us, um, like we work. Um, so aside from myself, the other two partners, um, Anya and Cheryl, they're both um, SCPs and freelancers. So it can be very like just working in silos. It's a very lonely kind of way Mm -hmm. of being you know you don't go to work you don't have colleagues Mm -hmm. you only have clients and every time it's you going outside kind of facing the world so from an emotional perspective it's like who do you bounce your ideas off to who do you talk to because if you talk to another you know a freelancer who's working kind of in the exact same field
0: it's like it's like competition yeah. yeah as much
1: as we want to be like everyone And and we do really believe that everyone should support each other, but that concern is always there, like, how do I know this person can be trusted? But in a collective, realizing that, hey, there are people with similar values, the importance of emotional safety, having someone you can be vulnerable with and talk about concerns with and sometimes just talking out loud to like holding space for you. We found that really, really powerful I guess when we did that little retreat at Anya's house after the um, circuit breaker so when we realized just how much that strengthened us and helped us get out of a very dark place as a group after sort of a very uncertain period we're like oh hey this is a great idea so I think that's from a emotional support perspective but then from a more um, sort of tangible support aspect it's like we all have different skill sets and so it becomes like for example I really hate loathe refuse to do marketing it is like the bane of my existence but Anya is incredibly good at it so I could just be like I need help I don't know where to start with this and she would just be like here are tools here are resources here's the five steps or just like why don't you give me like the summary? I'll throw together something for you. It's so painless for her to do it, but it's like the most, it's like for her five minutes, for me, five days. And Mm -hmm. so being able to kind of leverage each other's help and be like, let me swap. Like, I'll do what's hard for you. And there's a lot of complementary skill sets coming in. And that's kind of always useful. And we all work in different fields. So to clarify, sort of, I'm in experience art. Anya is more in sort of designing um, guides for healing. And Cheryl is very much in social impact environmentalism. And so because we're in slightly different fields, we kind of... It's easy to support each other Mm -hmm. as well. But the last thing is something that we realized was, especially as a freelancer, so it applies less to me, but then... A lot of times when you go outside, you negotiate rates or you negotiate certain boundaries to clients, it can get very difficult. It's like, also, you're just one person. So then we realized that, hey, you know, if we're part of a collective, either one of us who is not like the service provider can go in and be like, hey, we're sorry. X, Y, Z person's part of the collective. These are the collective roles. You just have to like these are our collective rules you want to work with this person you have to follow our rules or sorry Mm. and it gives you bargaining power and for freelancers that kind of protection and support is really really valuable
0: Mm. interesting tell me a bit about um this because you shared previously that you had a retreat that you organized with um your two partners so tell me a bit about that
1: uh so the retreat we organized is called the struggle is real retreat and it's We tried to make it just like, yeah, because the struggle is real. real. (laughs) And uh, so it was kind of a response to um, the whole pandemic, basically. Mm -hmm. Like um, for all of us, uh, our practices were disrupted. There was a big period of like, you know, freaking out, worrying about how to get our finances in order. And then... So when the sort of um, circuit breaker lifted, we gathered at Anya's house and had a little retreat ourselves. It was a day long thing. And every one of us brought like a certain tool to the table to kind of guide, like unpacking. What are your concerns? What are your uh, fears? What are the projects you want to move towards to? How can we all pivot and adapt? And at the end of the whole evening, we had this well, it was the whole day, but then uh, in the evening we realized like, oh my God, this whole session has given us so much clarity. We all felt so much more calm and so much more assured and like nothing has physically changed. It's not like suddenly there's extra you know, money in a bank account, but mm-hmm. just having that, just being able to be heard and be held and yeah, have clarity, have someone hold up a mirror to your thoughts and help you clear that up. It was so powerful and so helpful to us. We're like okay, we can't be the only people mm-hmm. who need this. And if this benefited so much for us, how can we kind of you know share this with other people out there who might not have their own like little herd of unicorns to yeah, support them like this? How can we share this with other creatives? And at the same time, it's also coming from a place whereby during the whole um, circuit breaker and pandemic when it was at its peak here in Singapore and also beyond, we saw a lot of people, social people, we know people we don't know, just creatives going online, providing so much value and entertainment to the community. So like, you know, we saw um, performance artists whom we knew trying to put up like interesting Zoom shows, storytelling times for children so the parents can take a break. It was just like, Mm. and even creatives were like illustrators joining sort of volunteerism because they're like, okay, no work right now. Let me go volunteer, be in the front line. And it was like, wow, creatives are giving back and stepping up so much at this time but then who's looking out for mm. them you know it's like they're not top of the list of like uh people to look out for and we're like well then we should we're creators let's look out for our own so that they can keep supporting people because it's like all, all of these projects that they've launched they were all completely free like these story times this little interactive workshops toolkits everything was free because it was a time where people needed these things and but then it was it wasn't as if these people didn't have bills to pay they didn't have to eat so it was like well how can we help Mm
0: -hmm. while we're also struggling with bills Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm -hmm. that was the retreat tell me a bit more about the retreat because you mentioned that it's a what was done during this this four week long retreat that you guys organized So uh, at that time, a
1: big word that was being thrown around was pivoting. Everyone's talking about how do you pivot your practice, your career. So, but that's actually a really big thing. Like, how do you begin to even contemplate this question of Mm -hmm. pivoting, especially when you're overwhelmed by the necessities of everyday life, bills and, and work and family and just the emotional stress of going through a pandemic and we're like okay so uh, we all have facilitation backgrounds so we're like all right let us break this down how will we guide people through a process to think about pivoting so that at the end of the day at the end of this retreat they would have some kind of a game plan that they can refine or even execute to test out. But the ultimate goal really was that it would seem like this kind of uncertainty of opening and closing down again is uh, very much the norm in our future. So the future has become just infinitely more, I guess, uncertain. uncertain yeah. And therefore, it's more we're more in need of navigation. So how can we kind of pass people tools that they can reuse to navigate no matter what the situation becomes at any point of time? So the retreat was really about Kind of looking at the different steps of pivoting, and then assigning different tools for that set, and then sharing that with the participants so that they can learn those tools and adapt them and use them at any point of time in their life career. So we kind of had the like four chapters of the retreat. So the first chapter was kind of like uh, figuring out creating your own character, mm-hmm. like in a post COVID world. What would you want your role to be in this new? society world order and then after that you figure that out then the next step was like how do you put yourself out there you know online digitally so we noticed that a lot of challengers that creators have was that like maybe a lot of times people didn't do digital marketing but then almost all of a sudden everything is digital so how do you put yourself in a even more intensely competitive online space to market yourself
0: not necessarily to sell things but just even for people to know you exist i'm curious to know so it's it's i think it's great because i think i feel like you cannot understand the importance of like a community in whatever regard and like i feel like this is quite unconventional because i think you think about communities like like for me i'm very big on like you know like um communities in, in the gender kind of space. I think that girls really need to have, like, a community where they can lean on one another. Men really need to have a community. And this is quite, like, different because it's quite, like, interdisciplinary in that way, right? You guys handle um, or work with artists or freelancers who are across, like, multiple disciplines. I guess my question is, and we did talk a bit about this just now, but why is it especially crucial, like, now for, like, artists in Singapore to have access to these like communities so I think when we set out to do the
1: retreat we weren't sort of thinking about necessarily building a community sort of when you bring people together to go on a journey together for four weeks and then as part of the journey you have to unpack a lot of your anxieties it is almost impossible for people to not bond Mm -hmm. so the community was an unintentional sort of byproduct of that and then we didn't really intend sort of we don't have have high expectations because everyone's busy it's sort of like the notion that communities must constantly check in with each other Mm -hmm. and constantly supplying information and talking to each other uh, seemed a little bit sort of difficult to achieve in sort of a sp- world of like very busy creatives and freelancers. But uh, having said that, kind of an unintentional outcome, I guess, of bringing together artists from different disciplines was We didn't know this. It was that during the whole um, retreat, some of the participants brought up, was like, yeah, it's so nice to be talking to creatives in a different field because, you know, like I have creative friends, but, you know, we we, we work in similar stuff. So it's so nice to hear just new voices, hear new ideas. It it rejuvenates sort of the creative mind when you meet Mm. new people and things. And another part was like another participant shared was, kind of they always hang out with the same group of like in the same field and so as much as they want to show up for each other and just be like completely selfless in oh I want I I see your struggle I feel you it's there's too much it's too close Mm -hmm. so it's like a lot of times you would it your own kind of emotions would bleed through into the person you're trying to support because you're facing very, very similar issues. And that's also a bit of like comparisons like, oh, that person's in that part, their part, that part of their career, I'm still here. And they're facing these troubles that I'm not facing and my behind. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of these it, it can trigger a lot of um negative, competitive self-thought if you're not in a good headspace. Whereas in a group where you're just a bunch of, you know, mixed bag of creatives, it's like Oh, okay. Well I that person's a textile artist and I have like zero sort of, you know, interest in that field. I can just selflessly share and offer resources. There's no competition and I also you can really hold space for people in a very kind of genuine and I guess much healthier way in some sense.
0: Yeah. Mm, interesting. I think with that, said, um, let's talk a bit about um I guess the the aspect of being a freelance artist um in today's like kind of time and age. So I think um, you know, with the whole idea of like technology and how people are, I guess, on the track of pursuing like hobbies as full-time careers, I think it's really interesting because um, yeah, I feel like more people that it's become more accessible and more affordable, right, to do this. Um, but I think it's also difficult and challenging for a lot of us who are still living in this society where there's a lot of value in like being in a nine-to-five kind of situation working for like a boss so i guess my question is like what is something or like a piece of advice that you would give an individual who is maybe a freelance artist or you know like yeah like the other way around like a professional wanting to become like a freelance artist wanting to pursue their hobbies but like maybe it's slightly like afraid or like hesitant yeah
1: I guess actually, before that, I have a question to ask you. Like, What do you think an artist is?
0: An artist is somebody who does creative work. Okay, so then what, <laughs> what do you constitutes creative work? Hmm, that's a really good question. And this is a really good question because in my own job, my title is creative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're a creative. I am. And I think, and I, I I resonate a lot with the idea of like that, if you talk to, like, other creatives, it helps a lot in, like, um tapping onto, like, ideas you maybe have never considered before. Because sometimes, like, when I have to, like, because I do, I do like, script writing and stuff like that, I really need to, sometimes you just, you, your brain's just not there, you know what I mean? And, like, I, I really have to, like, bounce ideas in order to get the gear moving. Or, like, some other creative would have said something interesting and then I'll be like, oh, like, maybe I could do this, you know? So, I really resonated with that, but... I don't know how to answer a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, would you consider yourself an artist? I would not. I hold artists in really high regard, right? Yeah. And I think this is not
1: really a piece of advice, but something we unpacked during the retreat. Cause, so the mit- retreat had a mix of people who were sort of career artists, creative professionals. They were doing, they've been doing mm. this for like, you know, 10, 15 years of their life. This is just that is their career Mm -hmm. but we also have people who were more like myself transitioning from sort of a day job into uh, moving into creative work or becoming an artist full-time and something that uh, we've unpacked together was like there was so much resonance and I guess that was also the nice thing about being in a group like that was like I am not alone and I'm not weird in terms of like embracing like I don't feel like I'm an artist. It's like, Mm. am I can I call myself an artist? Like at what point are you considered an artist? At what point can you call yourself a creative professional? It's like does selling a couple of illustrations make me an artist? Like, at what do I have to register a company to call myself like a proper freelance? Person, how many percent of my bills must this pay for me to qualify? Or people say, do I need to have a degree Mm. before I'm I'm even I can consider myself a creative or an artist? And I think that gap is, I guess, sometimes the first step, sort of figuring out for yourself how you want to define who you are because that imposter syndrome, I think like something we've talked about a lot. We actually had a studio session. So outside of the actual um, retreats, we sort of Friday evenings where we just come online onto a sort of zoom call and just no, 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 no worksheets, no PowerPoints, nothing. We're just going to chit chat and and talk about stuff that's been on our mind. And a couple of things that have come up several times was an imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we are all like, yeah like can I even call myself a creative do I count as an artist and just doesn't matter how long they've been doing this and yeah sometimes hearing about uh being part of an art friend having someone go like oh your art is not worth this much I don't think you're at that mm-hmm. level of being a creative so you know I think putting yourself out there means exposing yourself to a lot of um possible validation but also invalidation which is why um, that could be the hardest part of building and turning that into a sort of—I mean, not say business, but livelihood. In a sense, like it's about sustained work. You mm-hmm. you don't just do it once and then magically money starts coming in infinitely, right? It's it's a practice,
0: and you're trying to make a living from a practice, which is something you do. I think wow, trying to manage that whole idea of like pursuing your passions and like making your creative work into like a full-time career I think there's still that aspect that like like you said you know it's a it's not a suddenly when you step out into it then all the money comes flowing right so I guess like how would you advise somebody to or like what's the best way for like artists to kind of balance like pursuing their passion versus like having like a stable kind of income. Because I think it's very inevitable, right? Our society demands that like we do kind of have to think about the practical elements of living. Yeah.
1: So actually, I find it interesting sort of like, I don't think it's really just our society. It's just by virtue of being a human in a a capitalist world. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) it is impossible to not think about money because money is basically i mean you can definitely always move to like some land somewhere and become a farmer and then create art when times that you're not farming like be part of a self-sustaining community that's completely an option mm-hmm. all roads lead to rome but i feel like maybe a lot of us are not comfortable with uprooting
0: ourselves and literally moving to like a rural area and start farming like where would we begin mm-hmm. so and farming is really hard yeah, like, not nice. always Memorize yeah. it it's difficult but before the episode you did mention that you know like you care about like everyday things and how like appreciating it can help us slow down tell me a bit more about that and also I guess like what are some like last parting bits of advice you would give a creative or an artist in this space in time it's like two questions sorry (laughs) oh it's fine
1: maybe let me start with the last one which is just like i think um the whole struggle with real retreat was born from this place of like this is not a prescriptive retreat Mm -hmm. so we don't do advice we only do okay we're gonna keep asking you questions and here's our tools to help you navigate so i guess yeah find people if It would say like what served us well has been finding people who can, we can feel safe to talk to and unpack anything like ask yourself a lot of questions. The more questions you ask, ask the right questions, you'll get the right answers. And oftentimes I think just believing that you have the answers in you, you just haven't sat down to look them up and listen to those answers that's inside you. I think if I had to give advice, that would be sort of the advice to creative because Everyone's so different. Everyone's on their own path. Everyone's trying to build different things. Only you know what's right for you. And to unearth that requires a lot of asking yourself questions. So yeah, no prescription. Not, I mean, unless ask yourself questions, a prescription. But back to kind of, I guess, um, me being a big advocate for little things in life. Um, So when I was starting off trying to go into my creative practice, I guess everyone has sort of themes that they're very drawn to. And for me, it's always been curiosity, awe, and wonder. But then as I started creating more work, uh, I realized like, oh, I actually had an inclination to do stuff that would be socially valued. It's sort of like, oh, I started first round doing a lot of um Conversational experience, like conversation experiences, and we'd be unpacking big things like, you know, uh, what is uh, gender identity or, you know, is toxic femininity a thing? What is the purpose of education? And I just naturally thought to do these things because they seemed meaningful and socially valuable, but then it burned me out really badly. It wasn't really what I, I know they're important, but I don't stand for these things. And going through sort of the pandemic, I had a reckoning where it was like, what kept me sane and buoyant throughout the pandemic were the little things. Like I would take walks. I would notice um, the shadows from the stairwell. I could tell you like in this stairwell on like the 20th floor is where you get the nicest shadows at this time round. And if you want to know what the neighbor is cooking, go climb onto the 22nd floor and stand here and use the exhaust pipe. Just these little things in life and you pay attention to them spark so much joy. And yeah, it's forced me to slow down because I have to pay attention to the little things. Like I lose hours just being like okay what's the texture of this chair what do i smell in this space you know one cup of tea suddenly becomes a longer experience and i mean at that time it was sort of like well we're stuck at home right there's so much empty space and time to fill up in a previously very busy life so but i think slowing down is meaningful and finding enough is meaningful because so much i mean the world is really fast-paced especially singapore Mm -hmm. and um yeah, in in a world where we value sort of quickly moving forward, quickly making things big, immediately seeing results and instant gratification. It's like, yeah, that's also the root of um, consumption and endless consumption is also what's making the world unsustainable. So maybe, maybe slowing down might not be so bad. So how do we slow down? And I think, uh, yeah slowing down part of it is also about getting more out of the things we already have so by paying more attention to the little things in life that we might otherwise neglect you know like right now with this massive cable on the table but it's like actually you know just using your finger to trace like where it goes and which one calls around each other it's a really fun game that you can do and that's like 15 minutes of your life wasted but with a lot of joy (laughs) So, yeah, I think there's these sort of intangible things that keeps us buoyant and happy and able to face um, very dark times. And I suppose the last little bit of story about what really drew me to this to end off, because I know we're short on time, is um, I've seen the power of the little, I guess, like how just things that can spark joy is so powerful is that um, I went to Japan almost very shortly after that really bad earthquake, like the Fukushima incident and um, i went to disneyland because that's like my port of call i always go to disneyland and then at there was a sort of midday show going on at disney sea at that time but um, japan was just you i've never seen like there were no lights and light in tokyo and that's just unfathomable like what no lights and light in tokyo it's tokyo and then when you go to disneyland there were no lines because there was just some only a few local people there like to go to um any of the rides was like five minute queue was to basically walk through the entire line and I think I've never seen just a place so sort of devastated mm. I mean and, and in the in first world country context of course and yeah so it was like you could really feel the weariness and the weight of like this catastrophe on the city but then during that show I guess I watched that show quite a few times at that point um I I don't know what made me look up. I started looking around at the people who were watching the show and it was amazing. I was so stunned by everybody was smiling. It was like for that moment, they were happy. And in that one moment, the world was right. And, you know, that kind of power, it's like maybe they have to go back and face things, but then they now have the power and the energy to go back and face whatever problems it is, Mm -hmm. you know, back home. And I felt like, wow, just that moment of awe and wonder can do so much for people it's, it's amazing. So where can we find more of that in everyday life? I think something that I really want to figure out as an artist and just as a person. Mm. Thank
0: you for sharing that. You're welcome. So I think we have reached the end of our episode. Thank you so much for joining us oh, for this episode. I just want to end off by asking you how can people find out more about UCU and your work if they are interested in joining the space?
1: So we're not actively recruiting people right now but we always like hanging out and meeting new unicorns no matter what shape animal shape non-animal shape you come in so uh you can go to ucu.world that'll be the best way to find anything ucu related and if you want to find out the stuff that I do you can go to www.empori.co empor dot
0: co yep cool thanks yes. a thank you this show was brought to you by Utopia. This project showcases everyday Singaporeans that have made an impact in our society. Have someone in mind? Nominate that person at youthtopiasg forward slash impact.